0: you a little bit of context about me first and um, kind of hopefully then set the scene for what I'm hoping to kind of speak on tonight. So I moved up here three years ago to take on this position as young adults pastor and I also lead our small groups ministry uh, at our church and um, I think that I took this job because I love the young adult years. Um, I think that it is like basically from 18 to like 35 I kind of say whenever you want to disassociate with us um but that kind of age range so much happens um you make so many life choices uh you make so many career choices relationship choices uh it's also the time that you're probably exposed to uh maybe some things that didn't go out as you planned uh it's also the age range where we have the biggest fallout of people when it comes to faith. And so there's no other age that people step away from the church more significantly than in young adult years. And so it makes for our roles um, in whatever capacity you're leading, super important to help journey alongside people who are making their decisions to either stay in church or to walk away from church. Um, and that's not something that I get excited about, but it's something that I feel the weight of and the significance of, uh, so my, I work full-time for a church uh, and New Life is a uniting church, um, but it has like mutual friends, mutual ministry friends. So like they love Alpha, they love Soul Survivor. And so I was like, all right, I'm in. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's quite a large church, so it's on a big scale. Uh, so, again, I don't want to talk too much about scale because I don't think that that is always helpful because it might not relate. Um, so, rather, I just want to talk about some techniques and things that we've seen kind of work um, in our ministry and some things that we've seen not work uh, or some things that we've found hard to try kind of to share experience really. Um, so we have a rhythm in our staff team where we have our team like staff meeting for everyone who's on staff and then all of our key volunteers. And we have this once a month and um, someone will share on some kind of leadership thought that they've got uh, or have watched something. It's just kind of a chance for us to be equipped like tonight. Um, and it was a few months ago, actually, that one of our pastors was uh, talking about a story that's found in Exodus. And it's a really famous story that's often used in a lot of leadership books. And uh, I want to share with you, actually, tonight, some of the material that we covered in our staff meeting, because I've found it really helpful to then think through practically in my role um, where I'm serving. And so we're just going to walk through a bit of this story that we find in Exodus 18, and the story of Moses and some of the leadership challenges and opportunities that he has. And then um, I'll also give you a list of resources, uh, some books that I'd really recommend you uh, flick through and listen to or read or whatever, um, just that have really helped me in switching my mind into leadership development, because I would say it's very easy to work in your role uh, but it's actually quite hard to work on it. And that's a saying that I've used a lot just to check myself and say, like, okay, how much of my role am I just like in the day to day? I'm just ticking the boxes, I'm sending the text messages, um, I'm doing all that. And then how much am I actually able to work on leadership development and on culture and on uh, kind of the vision of where it's heading? Uh, so we'll talk a bit about that at the end as well. So, To jump in, we are looking at this story in Exodus 18, and what we see here is Moses is starting to kind of, I love this phrase of smell of everything but thriving. He's been in the desert a long time, um, and we're starting to see some cracks in his character and how he's relating to the people around him. Everything has gone amazing. Moses has been an incredible leader. He's stepped out in courage and faith in how he's been obedient to the call of God. He's overcome some of his weaknesses. He's doing great as a leader. Um, He's followed God into the desert, and he's done a hard, long slog of obedience in this wandering season. But as we know, the story goes, there's some things that start to turn and uh, some things that we notice about Moses that might say that the leadership load is getting too big for him because we see the the signs of wearing on his character so that's really important you'll start to see the signs of someone's leadership deterioration not necessarily based on the results of what they're leading but mostly at their character level So what do we start to see? We see that there's a lot of things that say, I have to do this. I can't do this. I I have these problems. There starts to be these cracks um, that sometimes it's just like, this is all getting too much. And Jethro comes and he challenges Moses um, and he gives him feedback and criticism, which is excellent. And he says, it is not good and you will wear yourself out. Wise words, Jethro. He's recognizing that Moses is taking on way too much. He's probably nearing burnout. um, And the wise counsel of Jethro comes in and says to him, buddy, something's got to change. And so um, Moses says the load's too heavy. Oh, Sorry, Jethro says the load is too heavy and he really what he really challenges is Moses's pride here because what he says is it's too much for one person. you're going to need to develop some leaders. And I think that's an important thing to recognize is that it's so easy for us to feel like we have to carry it all ourselves. And that is maybe one of the biggest hindrances to us developing other leaders is that we feel like we need to do the job, and we need to do all of it and carry it all to prove that we're good leaders, Um, especially if we're early on in the stage of our leadership development, you wanna prove yourself. Um, But when those cracks start to show and um, you recognize, actually, this is too big for me, or I am putting a lid on my ministry based on my own capacity, Whereas if I lifted that and delegated and developed leaders, who knows where my ministry could go. So there's opportunity to develop and Moses is given the, the, the wise counsel to put his pride aside and to develop other leaders. And we know the story goes, then he appoints people to different scale of um, of the Israelites there. And so... I think what's helpful there is to recognize that God's mission uh, and the ministry that he has called you to does not just need to be you and you alone. God has put you in a position to be able to see the people around you and to empower them so that they can flourish as well. And so uh, Moses is going to do this. And what happens is then after Moses kind of is able to empower the people around them we then see the next kind of leader figure appear who is Joshua. So Joshua is um, a person, he is not a system, he is not a strategy, um, he is actually a person that Moses is leading and passing the baton onto that's important because sometimes we can think developing the next stage of our ministry is just to create a better program um, or to come up with some cool idea but what we're seeing here is we want to we want to develop people around us it's relational Um, and we see in this kind of story we see the posture of Moses and we see the posture of Joshua and what I want to do tonight with you guys is look at how can be both Moses in developing people but you can also be Joshua in being led by other people and you need to be both because if you are just Moses and you're just developing other people you won't have your version of Jethro who's going to speak into you and give you wisdom and insight into maybe your limitations or your blind spots and uh If you're Moses and you don't have a Joshua, you're going to have the problem that uh, we actually see later on in Joshua's life, where he didn't actually raise up leaders and he didn't pass on the baton well, and it all kind of went to shambles. Um, So three things that we see in being a good Moses. Number one is Moses identifies and empowers. We see this in Joshua he teaches someone else how to swing a sword It's this idea of your skill set is then transferred and empowered into someone else so a question that you can ask is what are the things that only i can do in your ministry when you're thinking about delegating tasks what's something that you feel like you can't delegate because you're the only person who can do it and I would say that that's probably a little bit of a warning bell if there's a lot of your leadership that you feel like no one else can do it that should spur in you an even greater desire to need to raise up your Joshuas uh, because you don't want to be the one that is needing to carry all of the load and it only relies on you. It's not a healthy way to lead your ministry. So how do we do this? How do we uh, identify and empower? Give Give opportunities to other people to make them look like a rock star. You want to set people up for a massive win. You want to empower identify the skills that they have, identify the passions that they have, and then give them the freedom uh, and also the encouragement to be able to set them up well. If they go really well in the first thing they do, because you've empowered them, you've walked and encouraged them, how much more are they going to feel like they've able to step out in courage in some of the things to come? So position other people around you in the spotlight. It's a really healthy way to identify and empower those around you. I would give a word of warning around when you identify and empower people. We are most likely to identify and empower people who are exactly like us. They will have the same skill set as us. They will have the same often personality or trends or traits than we do. And I would say that it's just good to acknowledge that that's you're going to be where you first go, but branch out from there. Uh, if your team is all just like you, it's not going to be a helpful team because you need a diversity of skill sets and passions. Um, I would say it's easy to get someone on board who's just like you, but then look for the next one to come along as well. Uh, And when you're developing and equipping and empowering people, you could choose one, but I would always say, why not choose two? Uh, That way you're able to diversify a little bit. You'll probably naturally choose someone who is similar to you, who you get along with well, Uh, but if you include someone else, it'll help just transform it more into a team mentality. The other thing that's helpful with that is that I know that certain churches have kind of um, some complexity around developing leaders around different genders. And I would say that if you are, like if I'm a girl and I'm gonna lead another girl, that's super easy. Um, If I'm a girl and I'm gonna just lead another boy, might be a little bit complicated. So if I'm a girl and I'm leading a boy and a girl we're in the clear. Uh, So I would say if you're wanting to develop leaders who reach your whole youth group, your whole young adults community, your whole small group, make sure that you're then developing um, people who aren't just like you. So point number one, if you're going to be a good Moses, you're going to identify and empower. Point number two, if you're going to be a good Moses is you're going to give access and instruction, access and instruction. I uh, would see this with uh, Joshua and Moses on Mount Sinai. And it's the whole, the slogan for this point is take someone with you, take someone with you, give them access to your leadership, give them access to how you handle tricky comp- uh, tricky and complex situations. Give them access into just your mundane email world, your messenger life. Um, Transparency and access in leadership will just help uh, in someone understand the full context and know that if they're needing to step into your shoes at some point, they understand what that looks like in its entirety. It also will help give you resolve around keeping things too tight to your chest. Uh, obviously, you need to be care around, careful around confidentiality and privacy. Um, but it it's a really nice um, kind of dissolves your pride around needing to hold the information. And it also dissolves your pride around having access into certain places that maybe other people don't. So for instance, that just might be a team meeting or a pre-service meeting. Why not invite those who you're leading um, into that area? Give them, uh, ask for permission, but give them access to that to see what it's like. I recently had, uh, I'm developing a leader in our young adults community. And um, she was coming in to volunteer with me on a Tuesday morning. And I know that as a staff team, we have worship on Tuesday morning. Uh, where we just have a time of worship and prayer and no one's really invited any volunteers into that space yet so I was a bit um apprehensive as to if that's okay and allowed so I just shot our uh, lead minister a message and just said hey I've got this person coming in to volunteer with me is it okay if they jump into our worship time and he was like yes I love that like definitely that's something I want to encourage and so By giving her access into that, I'm showing her more of the bigger picture. Um, And that way she's just able to to glean the wisdom, not only from me, but from the whole team as well. So access and instruction. You want to give instruction because you just don't want to push people out of the nest and just watch them fall. You wanna give them good, solid instruction. And empowerment. And remember, if you're if you're coming from a place of security where you're not worried that they're going to thrive or outshine you or take your role, um, your instruction will be given in the right tone. You won't be micromanaging or um, setting like clipping their wings. You'll be empowering them. Um, Instruction is point number two after after you identifying them and empowering them. So your instruction always wants to be clear. Uh, and I would say as well, you always want to take the blame for anything that goes wrong. You know, if if they know that you've got their back, that is a huge, huge uh, confidence boost for them to step out into things. Look in your teams and um, in kind of any sphere of life that you know people who have a lot of volunteers and look to what they do to empower those volunteers see who's doing this well and ask to shadow them for a day or ask to get their insights and their tricks on this. And now point number three uh, is humility and trust. So we've got point number one, identify and empower, point number two, access and instruction and point number three, humility and trust. So often uh, we don't give people opportunity until they've earned our trust. And I would challenge us to say, well, then let's lower the bar of trust. Give them a reason to disprove your trust rather than earn it. If you're always waiting for someone to earn your trust first, you might miss out on opportunities to give them. And what that asks of you is to walk alongside them strongly in relationship if you're going to lower the bar of trust because you're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You're going to uh, want to play the long game with them and you can give someone uh, respect and honour and then also lower that bar of trust so that you're not needing them to jump through something first. So you're able to give them opportunity. Ask yourself the question, who is the next you? Who is the next youth leader? Who is the next... Bible study leader who's the next youth pastor you know all these things that you're serving in who's the next version of you in that and start to see them and develop them so we all need to be Moses uh, we all need to be looking out for who is our Joshua and who who are the two Joshuas I would say um, that's that's important. Joshua. So Joshua is someone who is being developed. So we are called to be Joshua because not only are we developing leaders, we also want to be developing as a leader. And so three points to be thinking about as you are becoming more and more like Joshua. First one is available and willing. So what are you willing to do? And what are you available to do? Uh, our senior minister, when he was running this through with us in staff meeting, he said that he used to be the one who would always put his hand up first to pick up any of like anyone who needs a lift, any of our speakers, any of our team. Um, if there was ever like a conference or anything, he would just say, I'll happily be the driver. I'll pick them up wherever they want to go. I'll drop them off. I'm willing and I'm available. And that, like it used to just be, he, he didn't care who it was. It wasn't a status thing or like a celebrity thing. It was just a fact that it gave him, it bought him time with excellent leaders. And he was able to ask some questions and he was able to get access into a little bit of their lives purely because he was willing and available to do whatever. Uh, and that like got to the point where he was driving Mike Pilevacci around um, and he was able to learn some incredible, beautiful lessons from Mike just in the car. Um, and it didn't start with Mike Pilevacci, that's really important. He didn't put his hand up just to pick the celebrity. He started with with any of the people before him. Um, so be willing and available. You know, look look at who's packing up the chairs the people who are last to leave. These are our leaders. These are the ones who are willing and available to serve. Second point is separate and deliberate. What we see is Joshua didn't follow the crowd. He stood out. And I would say that sometimes when you are kind of, if you're, if you're, Following the trend of the crowd, um, you're not necessarily being someone that people are following uh, if you are just following the trend. And so someone who stands out, someone who is okay to be themselves, uh, someone who's willing to, my favorite one is, this is a big identifier for me when I'm trying to develop leaders, is if I hear things like, oh, I deleted my Instagram account. I just knew it wasn't healthy for me. That's a leader. Oh, I've decided to establish a rhythm in my life where I don't go on social media during the weekdays, really. That's a leader. People who are standing out and not doing these, these trends because they know for themselves it's just not the right thing to do. That not only shows discipline, but it shows courage. And they're great ingredients for a good leader. Um, so it's this idea of being set apart. It's it's not having to always be in with the crowd, not always know what's happening, uh, but is committed and is there and, um, and is deliberate in what they're doing. And thirdly, humble and inquisitive. They had 40 years in the desert. And what we see is Joshua came out at the very end. And so think about the fact that he he was patient, he was humble and I would say as a Joshua you're wanting to perfect being someone's second in charge, you want to serve someone else well, you don't want to do it so that you can get their job but you want to do it so that you are being developed as a leader and to be honoring to the very end. What I love in Joshua is that he wasn't like, move over Moses, I'm here now. Like, let me let me get my own group of people. He was honoring of Moses until the very end. And I say that that makes an excellent Joshua, an excellent leader, an excellent person who's being developed because they've got the humility to serve at whatever capacity and not trying to just like get to the top. Um, and the other thing in that is inquisitive ask questions people who ask really good questions are often great leaders because they're thinking about the next step they're inquisitive around you know well if that happens what about this or have we ever tried to do this before this inquisitive curious nature is an excellent ingredient to leadership so asking the question what can i improve And often people don't want to hear the the answer to that. Um, But a good Joshua will ask people, you know, what can I improve? Um, Sometimes people find that a hard question to answer because they're just like, oh, no, you did excellent. It was great. So another way that you could phrase that is to say, if you were running that meeting, would you do anything different? Or, if you were preaching that sermon would you have added in anything different and rather than the the subject of that answer being on you it's on them and they feel way more uh empowered to then be able to answer the question and say oh I think I think I would have done the meeting just like you I maybe actually would have switched the order around though and then that's excellent feedback and you can take that so asking the question is it uh, if you were if you were in my shoes and that would you have done anything different um, is a great way to ask for feedback so to be a good Joshua and you're being developed you're one available and willing two separate and deliberate and three humble and inquisitive and I'd say which of these two postures do you feel like you need to improve do you feel like you're you're really intentional with being Moses and maybe you've forgotten that you also need to be Joshua or maybe because you've been in your position not very long, you definitely feel like Joshua and, and you're kind of trying to muster up the courage to be a little bit like Moses. There's some things to reflect on as you're processing some of this stuff. There's this cool um, acronym or something. It's called I See In You. Um, and it's this idea of like people that you're developing or people that you are leading just or in your church or your peers, whoever they are, this question of I see in you um, is like if I meet with someone and I recognise that they have a passion for prayer ministry um, because they're always the first person to go and pray for people, I could just notice that and not say anything. But how powerful is it if I sit down with him and I say, hey, Tom, I see in you this passion for prayer. And I think God's got something maybe that he's wanting to develop or just stir or grow in that area because it's a, it's a beautiful area that I just see him at work through you in that. And I'd, just, I'd love to go down a road of seeing what that looks like in you and, um, and just really seeing what God wants to do. So as leaders developing people, we want to use that. I see this in you. I, I see a glimpse of this, um, and you really can't screw that up. Because if you're calling out something positive in someone, it's just going to reap benefit going forward. So, so don't be worried or timid around calling those things out. Obviously, be honest about it, but um, just make that a rhythm of of what you do when you meet with people. Is just calling something out that you see in them. It's really powerful. People hold on to it. Okay, two minutes on this and then I'm going to give you some um, resources is just talking really importantly about transitions. Um, transitions are really important to be intentional with because they they just happen or they can happen really well. Uh, and so, for instance, the transition between year 12 and then going into um, year 13 or whatever it is, just the big wide world of adulthood um, is a really significant transition and depending on how your church is kind of structured for that um, can look differently but giving opportunity for people who leave year 12 then to step into some other form of leadership is crucial being noticed and known um, is is so important in that kind of transitional leap so be intentional with your year 12s. And I would say then be intentional also with your year sixes. Those transitions are really important. So maybe it's in term four, you have all of your year sixes come along to youth so that there's a good transition there. Um, Maybe it's in year 12, you're already meeting with people and giving them opportunity to serve somewhere. Maybe on creative team worship, maybe on welcoming team um, giving them something to feel like they are are known for and they're needed is really crucial so so just take some time to brainstorm and dream about those big transitions and how how you and your church want to lean into those all right I have three books for you to read if you're a reader if you're not a reader I would say get them on audiobook because um, that's a great way to also get the content. Uh, Book number one is called Hero Maker. It is excellent uh, at giving you this idea that you don't want to be the hero, but you want to be a hero maker. This idea of all around developing leaders. Book number two is called Canoeing the Mountains. I would say that that's actually priority number one. It's an excellent book it was written um in 2015 but it is like prophetic for our season right now um the whole notion is around these explorers who went across america who thought that there was the pacific ocean right next to kind of where they were but instead so they took these canoes and instead what they found was the rocky mountains and they recognized that what they had done before was not gonna get them to where they needed to go. And it's this excellent book on leadership around a whole landscape of unexpected terrain. And the idea that we need to change, throw out the canoe and change it for ropes so that we can therefore um, lead through this new terrain, i.e. in our context, obviously post COVID. It's excellent. And then third book is great leadership book, obviously. By our friend John Maxwell, and it's called Lead, uh, Developing the Leaders Around You. John Maxwell, Developing the Leaders Around You. It's classic John Maxwell, 50 million points all the time, uh, but he'll give you some really tangible things around what uh, skill set to look for in leaders uh, and you as yourself, what kind of really important skill sets you need as a le- leader to develop people.